Boom. Bang. Rosa, how are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Wonderful. Where are you it's right now? A little, it's 10 p.m. over here. I'm in Turkey. The town is called Alanya. It's, um, oh my, I just realized that I do not know where geographically in Turkey it is. It's kind of, <laughs> I mean, it's by the by the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. So, southern? I think the I chances know, of the Turkish people catching this episode is low, so I don't think you're going to hurt anybody's feelings. It's going to be fine. But see, like, I've been in the States for too long, so I kind of, like, via... What is via too long, Rosa? Learned... Uh, 10 years, I think. 11, 10? 10. Let's back up. Yeah, let's I start, came from, let's in, start yeah. from the beginning because I, I don't want everyone to get lost on this journey. I'm, I'm going to lay it out kind of straight, hopefully. Where are you from? I'm from Russia. You're from Russia originally. How long yes. did you live in Russia? I grew up. I was born there and I graduated high school there. Where in Russia? Kazan. It's the Republic of Tatarstan. It's, um, I want to say, West Central Russia. Okay. Not too far from Moscow. It's kind of like if you think about um, Moscow to St. Petersburg, it's just the same distance, but in a different direction. Very much on that European side of the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Siberia. Great, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Not, not, it's cold, but it's not that cold. Yeah. It's perfect. That's why when I lived in New York, I was like, oh, my God, I, this is what I know. Great. Your English seems impeccable. Did you grow up speaking English young? Thank you. Um, well, I went to a school and generally you start learning English. Second grade, I think, is when we do that. And I went to a school that had like a more in-depth program. And we were super lucky because in our high school years we had people who are native speakers from canada some people i think some like people exchange from Mexico students and yeah, not exchange students like adults would come oh, and okay our, our class would be just to hang out and chat wow and yeah and just try to pick up the so okay in that regard then are you just learning english russian english and other things as well it seems like they would be teaching you other stuff if they're going that hard we're all, well, I'm from Tatarstan, which is a republic within Russia. Okay. And there is a, and Kazan, where I'm from, is the capital of Tatarstan. Okay. And Tatar language is also a governmentally official, like an official language of the republic. So you're supposed to study that in school as well. So that we learn or study. And what is that language called uh, one more time? Tatar. Tatar. Yeah, like the song, okay. but without the R in the middle. So Got it. Tatar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's actually very similar to Turkish. Sometimes okay. when people around here speak, I'm like, oh, I know that word is spelled a little differently, but huh. like I okay. can pick it up. Um, anyways, so in beginning first grade, you're supposed to study that language, but no one really takes it seriously enough because it's kind of like you don't really use it to talk it's kind of like like and i don't know if you know this but in america there used to be very popular for high school students to take latin it's pretty much gone it's been gone but like not that long ago like our parents 
they were like taking Latin in high school as a friend. And it was always a joke. No one took Latin yeah. as like, you're going to go speak Latin somewhere. Cause where are you going to go do that? Like the church? Like, I don't yeah. know where else you're going to speak Latin, but you would take it more as like an educational class, which kind of sounds like how everybody's talking about this language you're talking about. It's like, it's just part yes. of the history. Plus, yeah, they want to keep the culture going. Keep it alive. So governmentally, exactly. they're like trying to in um, get us more involved with that. And okay. some people talk it, uh, speak it in, fam- in their families because so my mom's mom is pure tatar and so i'm one quarter tatar in that way um sometimes she would help me with my homework and then my her mom would practically only speak tatar like very little russian so sometimes we would talk that like i would speak that language to her but outside of that just young people don't really say it that much because like, it I don't know it does something to your brain I heard the study oh you're frozen you're okay no you're you're Keep frozen going. great yeah so, so I've heard about the study uh talking about cognition um and they studied people who only speak one language and studied bilinguals and more language more language speakers and people who spoke multiple languages were more likely to agree with a point um someone is making that doesn't perfectly match their own so if we're having an so argument it's literally going to make you more open-minded if you will teach exactly. people more language when they're young yes and um that makes complete they sense they to the fact that or you have like you know that this thing is a pineapple right and then that's how you call it that's how you call it doesn't make pineapple not a pineapple like we all know what this thing is and we agree to the fact that it could be called many ways right and there are many ways to approach it so it's such a beautiful thing and i wish we all could access that kind of Knowledge it's that fascinating, kind of right? Practice. Because yeah. I think I know I like this subject matter a lot. And I I I talked to Sophia about this too, and about how specifically uh one of the things that's going on in America now, and it happens a lot, I would say in the maybe like 15 to 40 age range, right? There is mm-hmm. um, and there always has been an American English, but it is like ramped up right now, which is like we quickly find that a certain word or phrase is inadequate to describe precisely what we mean. So Mm -hmm. we, instead of uh, attempting to recontextualize or redefine that term or phrase, we come up with a brand new one that never existed before, or even more confusing, we take a term that already means something in our language and now piggyback that to try to make it the new Mm -hmm. thing that we mean. And it's this constant, very progressive, um, very aggressive uh, attempt to specify language and the motivations for that change all the time. But right now it seems like the number one motivation is to um, remove offense. We want to make sure you don't hurt anybody's feelings. We want to make sure that we refer Mm -hmm. to people how they want to be referred to. We use language that makes everyone comfortable and happy as best we can. And at the same time, there's all these older languages around the world than American English. 
that don't change like that. They don't reinvent themselves as often as frequent. At least that was a lot of the conversation we had about Portuguese and about for like French. Mm. But I'm curious from your part of the world, these two languages that I'm very unfamiliar with in particular, right? Tatar and then Russian. I don't know much of either. Is that the culture? Is there an effort to uh, improve the language for the sake of uh, anything? like trying to change it, trying to affect things? Or is it like the language is ancient, it's in stone, we should protect it, conservative approach? There's a little bit of both. I think naturally because we live in a global society and we have yes. internet and it's yes. this constant like exchange of concepts, ideas, words, right? Certain words came into the to Russian culture from yes. the United States. So the word is obviously English. And that's been going on, not just recently, like always throughout history. We have, like, if we think about food, right? We call croissant, croissant. Yeah, it's French, but in Russian language, especially among the younger crowd, there's a lot of um, adoption of English words happening just because- So we're of, doing it to everyone else's language yeah. is what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, but it's not, I don't see it as a bad thing. There is an Right. No, I'm not, I'm that, not casting it yeah. one way or the other. I want to make yeah, that yeah. clear. It's just observational. Yeah. I think everyone, well, I think English culture or English spoken culture has a very, or takes up a lot of space mm. everywhere. You know, it's not because yeah. the Americans or the like the British are doing this colonization of the world languages. Yeah, you know? right, it's right. But you're you're so right. It's like pervasive. Itself, yeah, and we like most countries watch American or British TV shows, right? Yeah. Not a lot. Yeah, of no, that's our Americans biggest export is our Russian is our culture movies, right? Right. So simply because of that adoption is happening just because right. you see something you hear some you see someone cool saying something and you want to repeat it replicate but do it, people do, do that in it. russian like do they come up with new russian words for things or do you have you're walking around moscow and you're hearing a lot of people say like that's dope like you know or like they're picking up an american thing or are they coming up with a new russian slang is there russian slang a lot of it i don't think i don't nothing like a new Russian word doesn't come to mind. Funny thing, I was teaching today. That's my point, though. Yeah, I was teaching today, um, and this girl, she's 10, 11, something like that. Uh, and she goes, It's very tall. Oh, Rosa, I, I came up with a new word today. And it's just some kind of like blah, 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 like gibberish. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Obviously, re Russian. And I was like, Okay, what is it? So, what does it mean? I'm like, I don't know. And then, like, she would come up to me, okay, I came up with this word today. Like, okay, what is it? Like, that's just something, like, a kid does. Yeah, it's not about the fine. meaning. It's about the feeling of saying it. Right, yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. But to your point, I don't necessarily think I can. I think there are different Russian versions of, like, brands. So, right, of course, like, but it's not it's uh, not changing like, the way American English is. Yes, exactly. It still stay it still stays within the the Russian culture. It doesn't infiltrate 
how Americans and that too. Speak, yeah, right? right. We don't all of a sudden start using Russian words in American English unless unless you have someone like me coming and telling someone and sharing about your beautiful thing. language with us. Yeah, it's like Russian cursing. Everyone loves Russian cursing. Like you know, that's. That's Absolutely. Like, <laughs> Can you teach me some um, right now? Because I don't know any. I could. What do, what do you want to know? It's so Give me rich. your favorite. Let's start with your favorite. What do you, What is the thing um, that slips out of your mouth when you drop something on the floor? I mean, it's probably blat, but it's... Um, what does that mean, so roughly? The clear trans... Uh, cunt, maybe, or whore, or like... Nice. It's Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, more... But it's like a female a slur. Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's also, but the beautiful thing about I'm really into etymology, so I'm I love it. No, let's. Bit. Hey, uh, are you hating this conversation? I'm not hating this no, conversation. No, no, no. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so if you decompose it, what it means is a lot of love. What? Yeah. So it's like the there is a Russian in um pagan in russian in old slavic paganism there are all these different gods right and then so the god of the goddess uh, there are three goddesses that represent womanhood there is the uh, like a pre-female like teenage female right then there is the woman and then there is the mother right so the the woman her name is lada and so blat, it's kind of like, and B stands for a lot, like okay, like big, and so together combined, they're like, oh, there's a lot of love, but it has culturally, it has such a negative connotation to it. But then right. if you think about the composition of it, there's nothing it's bad harmless. about it. It's just like lots right. of love. And then when you say it, like in the spur of a moment, you're just like if you think about it right. in that context you're like oh i'm doing good things like why not <laughs> but <laughs> i'm doing yeah. good things with my life right now is what i feel right like, um positive affirmations right do you know about bollocks bollocks sounds very familiar, it's very british I don't know it's british english bollocks bollocks is a curse that's like oh, right that's like damn but it right. means testicles so it's like saying balls <laughs> It's like bollocks, right. but a dog's bollocks, which means a dog's testicles, that's really good. So it's like, for real, you would be like, oh, man, you know, <laughs> mate, I've dropped, I've dropped this thing on the ground. Bollocks. Oh, bollocks. Right. That's terrible. Bollocks. But right. your new car. So you drive your car around that car. It's the dog's bollocks. It is the dog's bollocks. I'm telling you, it's like very good if it's the dog's testicles, but if it's yeah. regular testicles, it's bad. I mean, that's kind of true. Yeah. If I think about it. I guess our dog's <laughs> testicles great. I don't want to spend too long thinking about it, if I'm being honest with you. So, okay. Yeah, we we got, well, I have on. to get a little bit of actual story from you. As much as I want to talk about language for the rest of the show, I would. Right. Um, but how did you end up in North Carolina? That is far from Russia. It was a journey, man. I, um, when I was graduating, well, I grew up dancing. As as many young Russian ladies do. Except for I was pretty bad to begin (laughs) with. Like honestly, that's not what you normally hear on these dance episodes of a random 
it was so random how I ended up dancing to begin. Well, when I was five, my parents kind of like did the thing that every parent does. Well, you have a girl, you go send her to the dance class. But sure. they didn't do much research and they <laughs> sent me to this um, ballroom dancing lesson where everyone was twice my age. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? So they were like, okay, she's too young. Bring her back when she's older. I'm like, okay. But they never did. Then cut to fifth grade. I had this friend who was a former gymnast. So she was great. She had the stretching and all like the pointy feet, all the stuff. Um, and she was like, yeah, my, like, I know that of this really good school. Like my parents want me to go like study there. It's like an after school situation. Yeah. And can you come with me? I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, fine. Whatever. So I do. And then I end up signing up for the year with her. And it's a very like hardcore setup. Like it's, it was the school. I'm sure you like know a system where, where you have like a major company and then that company has a school that prepares. It's a, yeah, really it's like a feeder system. Business. Them thing scheme whatever but what what they can be run both ethically and non-ethically exactly yeah yeah so i got lucky in that way because ours was like really intense and very committed to doing what they're there to do great and there was a preparatory program and then there were the the courses they called so you had like and pretty much you're studying to be in the company once you reach a certain level or a certain age. So we signed up for the prep courses. Um, and there is a like mid-year exam. There's an exam in the winter before uh, the winter break and then at the end of the semesters. So after the, the exam is pretty much an, an open class, kind of like we had at NCSA. I don't know if you guys had that in drama, but after the first exam, one of the uh, girls from the class got kicked out. Like she didn't move on to the program. And I was like, to me, the whole thing was kind of like, whatever. Like I'm just there. We're passing time. You're, you're there to like, support yeah. your friend, right? Yeah. And then, and I wasn't great. Like I knew I wasn't great. I was not, right. I was not the most like groovy person. I was like this like tall, limpy kid. Um, and you seem like a groovy gal now, but go well, on. Yeah, I live with that now. No. Um, anyways, I come back the first class after the, the Christmas break and the teacher tells me I'm 11. And she goes, you know, they only kept you because you had long legs. That's it. I was like, OK. Thanks. <laughs> and that really got under my skin. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to show you. And I start just like taking it really seriously. And then somehow like I got a split and everyone was just like, when did that happen? And so, and I don't remember like really working towards it. I I just remember kind of like something in my head switched and I was like, okay, I'm going to like try now. And yeah, so lots has happened over my years at that school. And it so happened that I graduated the school the same time I graduated high school. Mm. Cut back a little bit. My uh, my brother is a tennis player. Okay. 
like um back then he's a he's seven years younger so back then he was training hardcore just big like early age training early Mm -hmm. age hardcore training and they were traveling all over the place trying to find a a location where it's economically and also climate wise sustainable to have consistent training good trainers and opportunities to play in russia it wasn't really it's still not that popular or you have a lot of upper or there yeah it's not nor there are a lot of yeah exactly hockey soccer like that's right even basketball basketball and volleyball are like pretty big but tennis is not yet at least so at this time my parents had a tourist visa in the u.s so they went to florida and they found like a a community is a great place to play tennis Exactly. They had like tournaments every weekend. They had yep. their trainers. They have the academy. There's it's just made for it basically. So Absolutely. that's how I first went to the states was because of him. It was a Christmas break. I just ended up going with them because. How old were you? Go to America. I was I was seventeen. Yes, it was nice. like Christmas break of my senior year in high school. So. You know what I love about this story (laughs) so far? Can I share? Can I share with you what I love about this story so far? Yeah. I so I spent six seasons on Dancing with the Stars as a producer. And then I also did um a season of So You Think You Can Dance. And I've I've just worked a lot around the like competitive ballroom and Mm -hmm. uh kind of contemporary dance uh worlds. Uh so like not ballet, but most of the other stuff and I've worked with a lot of Russian dancers, like a lot of them, mm-hmm. a lot of Russian ballroom dancers, a few, a couple, uh, a couple of them are Ukrainian, but there's many Russian point being a lot of times when amateurs, you know, pro-am as they call it for those listening, when you have a pro that's paired up with a more amateur dancer, which is what dancing with the stars, for example, is it is a pro-am competition. Mm-hmm. You got a pro and then you got someone who has no idea what they're doing and they're supposed to learn. When the American celebrities would be paired with a Russian dancer as their partner, who was also their teacher, who was also their choreographer, they would have a very different experience from the British dance pros or the girls from Utah. It was very different. And most of the Russian teachers were men, not all of them, but most of the Russian pros are men. And uh, so they it's American female partners. And they're hard on them, universally, famously, hard on them, very yeah. hard on them, faster, more, again, you know, it's like they're they're brutal. But when I was watching it, I was thinking about when I was at school and some of the dance classes I had, I had one dance class that was like kind of challenging. I was always terrible, I'm a terrible dancer, but you got to take the classes and I've been taking the classes like since I was like seventh grade. So like... I've always been in these classes. I've always been bad at them, but I never really had hardcore teachers until I got to school and they were a little bit more intense. And you told this story, bringing it back to your story. You sign up for dance on some bullshit. It's not not that interesting to you really, but you're like, ah, whatever. It's not nothing. You go, you end up sticking around and this teacher is mean to you when you're a little kid. She says a mean thing to you. That's like, 
you're not talented. It is only because of your genetic roll of the dice that you're even in this fucking room. And I feel like you, a child, needs to hear that right now. It's a very interesting choice for a lot of people to hear that. You have two pretty obvious choices when you hear that, right? I mean, anyone can hear that story and know you got two choices. You can take the method that you chose. You know, you can choose to be like, oh, fuck you. Like, I'll show you why I'm in this goddamn class. I could have half the legs and still fucking like, shut up. And I love that. First of all, I love that. I think that makes you a really cool person. That's just my opinion. The other choice is to go home and to tell your mom or your dad that the teacher was mean to you and you don't want to do this anymore. Because if this is what it's going to be like, I never even wanted to do this in the first place. I was only there to support my friend. It's not even that interesting. I'm not even that fucking good. I constantly watch these other girls be like, good. And I'm no, I'm not. And then this lady's going to be mean to me, what, kick me when I'm down and make fun of my body. Like, I'm not going anymore. I'm not doing this. And I think anyone would hear that choice and have no leg to stand on by calling you out and saying you did the wrong thing. Like, yeah, that sucks. Why would you want to do that? But that's not what you did. You didn't do that. You actively chose the opposite thing, the first thing I said, and now it is what you do with so much of your life and your passion and your love. When I watched these Russian teachers tear these girls apart, basically, trying to just make them good dancers, that's their only motivation. They're not like trying to be mean people. They don't care about that. They have money. They're on TV. They're not like miserable. They're not here to just like fuck other people's lives up. They want them to win. They're trying to teach them how to be good. And their only methodology, almost universally on the Russian side, is your teacher's approach. Be a little mean. Kick them in the pants a little bit. Get them to say, nah, fuck you. (laughs) But that doesn't land on everybody. There's lots of people that you try that method on and they choose the second thing. They're like, this is too hard. That's not what I signed up for. I don't know why you're being mean to me. I'm going to go home. The choice that you made impacted you quite heavily, I would say, don't you think? Yeah, but I agree with you. It's such a personality-based thing. That is just my personality. Right. Like when I'm I'm very contrary, like or how many Russians that you grew up with share that personality with you? Does it feel like a distinctly kind of Russian thing? Or did you stick out where you're from as like that one girl who's rebellious and like gets the tattoos on her arms of the, what is that, a snake? It's a snake. It's a new one. I got one. It looks I super it. badass. I'm not talking new. shit. It looks Thank super you. badass. Thank you. I really love it. Um, if we get there, I might tell a story about it too. But so, I don't know. I don't think that's a uniquely cultural thing. Maybe like in the USSR times, that mm, was sure. and these people things? i'm talking about right we're talking about your teacher we're talking about these people i'm talking about these are people in their 40s these exactly. are people who are not our age i mean i'm older than you probably by how old are you now 30 yeah so i'm five years older than you we're pretty much the same but we're yeah. just on that cusp we just don't remember that time am i right exactly yeah well i was born three two three years after But my parents grew up in it. My grandparents grew up in it. And every adult in my life was a part of that culture. So yeah, like our teacher threw shoes at us, you know, she almost threw a chair. Like 
And what are your opinions on that now? I don't think now it's as accurate. Like I think because the adult now is more of like our generation kind of right. But but how much value is in the tough love versus the nurture? You know what I mean? Because here you are a dancer because she was a little mean. Well, but who's to say that I wouldn't be me without that? If like we don't nice know you, what right? would have happened. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like we don't know what would have happened. Right. Um, I think yeah. what you said is perfectly on the spot because the it works for certain kinds of people. Like right. it works really well for certain kinds of people. Doesn't work for a lot of people. And it and crushes think, those other people. It really fucks exactly. them up, to be honest. And that's why I love about teaching is it's almost like you have you have to be a, a good therapist to be a good teacher because you have to observe. And if your goal is to share the knowledge or the skill that you're sharing, right? most effectively, it's not about you or how you choose to what worked for you. It's exactly. about listening, observing and noticing what works for every person in the room and then choosing the strategy that works for them. So I don't know. Yes, it's effective. Like, yeah, the answer is yes, it's effective for some people. I think the real skill I'm with you on that. And I think you're right. I think the real skill is the speed at which you can assess which one of those methodologies is going to be the most impactful on this person. Exactly. And it's do you think that lady knew like that it would work kids. on you, or do you think she's just a mean lady? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think no, I, I don't think she was mean. I think that's what she knew yeah. in her life. Like, you know, she that's right. her strategy. Right. And I've I think she she left the school a couple years after that and then came back. Or I random I there was one night where I forgot we didn't have class and I showed up. And then mm. she was just finishing up and leaving. And it was a couple years in, um, so a couple years after I started. And she just looked at me and she gave me these, like, she told me these very sweet words about like, oh, you've changed so much and blah, blah, blah. You like look nothing like you walked in and she kind of like mocked my posture and, you know, but it was very soft and warm and nice. So I don't think she had bad intentions when, right. or was malicious about it. No, she was just, that's her strategy. That's how she, that's how she was trained. That's what she knows works. It's just, it just so happens that we now know that other things work too. Yeah. And we I get think that's to well choose the approach. Yeah. Well, and it's tough, right? Because I think this is a conversation I'm having a lot right now with people, which is, what what how do we figure out which one to do when that's the big mm. thing where i think we're the most confused about right now because i'm huh. with you i don't think we revolutionize the whole thing and say oh let's throw out all the tough love and only be support and kiss everyone's ass that's not gonna work for everybody there's gonna be people like yeah. you and honestly people like me who are like i don't just need compliments like i'm I want to get better yeah yeah and that's not everybody you know some people but here's the problem is that 
I feel like sometimes, and we're in a culture of this right now, and it'll, it'll pendulum, you know, I think it'll swing back. Mm-hmm. But right now we're in a place where in a lot of educational environments, whether it's um, it's less in high schools and stuff, because that curriculum is really dictated by uh, adults and superintendents in a really different way. But in the secondary education, whether it's conservatory or liberal arts or whatever, all the way from Harvard to UNCSA, it's like there's a lot of culture changing in the students having a voice in their education, Mm -hmm. like what education they're buying, which at the cost, I can't blame them. But at the same time, if you already knew what you needed, you wouldn't need school. You'd be ready to go. So where, where do we meet in the middle between, obviously you want to sign up to get what you want to get and pay for your product. And at the same time, Mm -hmm. you've got to trust that this people you're paying to teach you something, know how to teach it to you. Otherwise, why the fuck would you be there? So we used to, I think largely err on the other side, you know, which is like, shut the fuck up, give me your money. You will learn. And then good luck. I don't know. Eat shit. Now we're on the side where this, like the students are like, I will not stand for being taught this way is not acceptable to me. And I only want to be taught Mm -hmm. these ways. Obviously we got to find our way in the middle here, obviously, because we can't have a bunch of 19 year olds setting the course curriculum for the entire country and every program. Like that doesn't make any sense. Experts exist for a reason. So and some some people work really hard to become those experts and then only to have their expertise yeah. thrown out in the voice of like, that doesn't make me feel good. But I think that you're, I think you're absolutely right to say like, how do we figure out what works for whom? I remember mm-hmm. when I was, um, I was in school, uh, I was one of Gerald Friedman's last directing students and he was kind of notorious um, before I got there. And, and while he was my teacher, though, he'd had a stroke. So the situation was different. But he kind of famously, he was a very critical teacher. He was not a fluff you up and compliment you teacher. And there would be occasions when it would be brought up of like, can I hear, can I hear a fucking compliment? Can I get a nice, some feedback? Did I do anything right? And his attitude was like, well, sure, you did plenty of things right. But I don't find that, that we have time for that. There's so much to fix. He wasn't trying to be mean or like hurt your feelings. I think there are students who do need that fluff up a little bit, a little compliment sandwich. I think that can be very helpful. But I I clicked with that particular teacher. I did. Not everyone's going to. I did because I don't need as many of the compliments either. I don't need you to fluff me up. I don't need you to support me. Help me get better. Fix me. Make it better. I want to drill it again. Tell me 10 things to fix. Like, and I think one of the things that's tough, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this because you've experienced this more intense education throughout being young. And now, you know, you go to school, the arts and and dance is an always learning thing. I'm curious what you think as far as when you're working with other artists, what is the ratio it feels of people who respond to that kind of like grind Versus people who really need a little bit more fluff, a little bit more comfort. Like when you're in people your own age that you're working with, does mm-hmm. it, I mean, cause you seem pretty tough. I don't want to give you too much credit. We just met. <laughs> Thanks. Um, let's think, you know, as you were speaking, the first thing that came to mind is 
Oh my God. Liz Lerman is a choreographer. Okay. Um, she came up with feedback, with a feedback practice. And I can't believe I can't remember the name. It's something critical. Therapy, critical response practice, critical something along those lines. Um, and a lot of artists in my vicinity are working within that kind of parameters where it's about trying to remove your personal um personal favorable fa things that you find you personally find favorable yes and look at the piece of work that we're experiencing or the process that we are a part of from a perspective of what that process or what that art piece needs rather than what you think it should be yeah so that is the approach that I would prefer in my practices because one, it requires of me to know what I need and that's work that I should be doing. Right. Two, it requires me to be clear in my communication on how I would like to. But you're one of these open-minded yeah. multilingual people who's going to do the work yourself. And that's what I'm kind of, <laughs> that's what yeah, I'm, I'm I, fascinated exactly, by. Cause you see what I'm pushing at here. Yes. The irony is like, you're asking me the Rosa, right? What are you like ob observing? What do you yeah. prefer? And here I am telling you what I prefer and what I observe because like you end up attracting people that are similar or you end up working Correct. well with people that understand this, like speak the same language in that right. department. Right. So I can also adjust and adapt. I'm happy to do that for the sake of a great project for the sake of like, I can, because I think it's all go, it all goes back to perspective. You have an experience working with that kind of approach, right? Right. Where it's highly disciplined, you're told exactly what to do. You get, but those parameters also give you a place to, or a space to, or a frame to re rebel in. Because when you right. have a strong push, you you're there to push back or be crashed by the push. So in that experience, you learn that oh, when that happens, I tend to push back, or in that happens, I tend to fold. And then you have an experience with someone softer. And what happens when you have an experience with that? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Does it matter if you like it or not like it? You know are about your, yourself that that's the thing. Is huh? your family, like the unit you were raised in, are they as emotionally intelligent and articulate as you are? <laughs> I, we're trying. Or I, I try. They're to. Russians <laughs> after all. I say with all due respect. Yeah, I think they've evolved. It took me moving and have a lot of distance spatially time-wise from them to process all of the things, you know, as like, we all have the, like the little burns that we carry and like, ah, oh, like that. Like what? I, like inner teenager, like, oh, they, they do this. They say this thing. They don't, there are certain yeah. traumas 
let's say. But it takes Why do you put the time. word traumas in quotes? Because they have various, I guess, because to me, trauma sounds big. And then I think there are micro traumas, I guess. And mm. then like macro traumas. And then I the actually like that a lot. That makes yeah, a lot of sense to me. My wife is a therapist. I'm going to run that by her. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, I, I don't like, no, that makes a lot of sense to me. No, yeah. I know what you meant. I know what you meant. <laughs> no, and there's a, there's a, I think you're right, right? Because your, your perspective on the time, I mean, your first breakup when you're 16 is the end of the goddamn world. It's all over. And yeah. when you're 30, you're like, that was nothing <laughs> in comparison to what right. I later dealt oh, with. That was fucking nothing. One. So okay. some of, yeah, yeah, some of it's just perspective and time. And so, but, that doesn't diminish the fact that when you were 15, it felt like trauma traumatizing. Like exactly. it felt it was that gravity at that time. And that deserves that respect for sure. Um, what are you doing in Turkey? I'm visiting family. They live here. Um, they moved back in 2016, 17, something along those lines. Why Turkey? Why not Russia? Um, Russia's cold, too cold for tennis. My brother plays <laughs> tennis professionally now. My parents oh, both great. play tennis just because they love it. Yeah. Um, so they're at a stage of their in their life where they can be away from their obligations and cabin. So um, great for them. They're honestly they love their life. I mean, they're um, complain about random shit, but like. Who doesn't? Generally, they're pretty satisfied with the setup, except for everything got really expensive here over the span of the last two years. Right. Like, astronomically, but all yeah. over the world, too. So it's not really unique. Yeah, but that Mediterranean here. region really suffered from the supply chain stuff that really messed things up over there. Yeah. And then they had the elections. And then after, like, they always have, like, a some kind of craze after the elections right and and all i mean all the wars didn't help like they, yeah it's no not that like region is no a mess. country's isolated like the whole, right of course um um but you live thing, in new york most of the time yeah no i actually moved back to russia in october 21 okay yeah for a bit not forever my next stop, I just recently decided, so I'm super excited. I'm going, I'm going to move to Mexico City. I'm starting. Great. I, <laughs> Joe Studio Español. <laughs> now, now, and uh, through, I had a moment where I was like, I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm, but, and then just recently it all started unfolding beautifully. And I was like, yes. Um, but that's like Latin America is my next venture. What's your attraction Local, uh, to that? Location wise, I'm um, so the reason I left New York it was post COVID, right? Like mm -hmm. I did COVID in New York City. That was Bile. wild, but also, yeah, very interesting. Um, and then I was getting tired of. I had different projects going on, self motivated projects that I felt like I didn't have the time or the energy or the financial resources to really go into for real like it all felt like I'm just like scratching the surface and I just don't right. have the space for it and my visa was 
coming to an end. And then I was like, speaking of reapplying and doing, I was, I just imagined how much money that's going to be, how much printing paper that's going to be, how much, and because of COVID, I didn't have much more to back up why I'm so valuable to the States artistically. So I was like, why do I need, I don't need to do this. Like I can just go home, be home, not pay rent. Yeah. Live in the woods Mm. kind of and have that, you know, like a loner in the cabin year where I get to process all the shit that has happened in the past 10 years. I, I, not, yeah, I just, it was a very weighted decision because I, a few months before I actually decided, decided I had this emotional like dry, urge to go, like I'm going, I had the choreographer that I, or I'm going somewhere, like I wanted to leave just because I was feeling like I was feeling very stuck and Again, like I needed something. Like I didn't get to do a lot of creative things that I've been used accustomed to doing. So it it was really pushing me psychologically, emotionally, and I was like getting really depressed. And I'm like, what is going on? I don't understand. And then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, because I don't really need to go. I just need to start dancing more again, or right. like do more creative things, like painting and all that. So. I moved through that, stayed in New York. And then when the visa was coming to an end, I'm like, there is no fucking way I'm doing all the work to reapply. And then it's just stupid because for what I need to accomplish right now, I need a space where no one's getting on my nerves, where I don't have roommates, even though I love them to death, but or loved the ones that I had back then, Right. where I have just the space and the time where I don't have the pressure of, oh, will my will I be able to pay rent this month? I don't know. Right. Let's see. Oh, yay. Someone paid me just now. Great. But like that, everything that's hap- that was happening every month for a couple years, like if it was, it does something psychologically and I needed to be able to just exhale and think about what's like, what's the next step. So that's when I moved. Uh, and I was there for like since then. And I come here to visit family for a month, a month and a half every now and then. Um, but now, yeah, I'm going to be there until October, I think, or something around that. And then that's when I plan to move to Mexico City, which is, you asked why, because I've had my time where I had like a small, I needed something small, not very intrusive. I've had that. Now I need a city back. Like I need yeah. that like very thriving cultural place with a lot of people from all over the place with like basically New York, but not as expensive. That's yeah. And I started researching and the Mexico visa, city is a great choice. Right. And visa, like I can be, I can live there for six months without like an issue. I don't need to welcome you. Exactly. And that is so great. And I have friends in I, Mexico yeah. City. When you get there, you let me know. I'll hook you up. There's some cool I, ass people. I out would there. love that. Maybe even before that, if you, you can, because I'm trying. Yeah, because I'm trying to like. No, I'm actually I'm talking to them later today, I, ironically oh, enough. Great. Um, yeah. That's so I'll, awesome. I'll drop the line for sure. 
Um, and with Thank a name you. like Rosa, you're going to do very well in Mexico. I know, I know. <laughs> you're so set up. Everyone you're not going to have to explain like, Natalia to anybody. You know, it's very easy. Right. <laughs> yeah, I lucked out with the name because even in the States, no one really thought I was, I, I said like lucked out. Like I could pass for a not for a non-international person right right just with the english and then with an american i think is the language you're looking for yeah i guess yeah what is an american they they look like whatever that's one of the that's one of the fun things about us um no i i really think that's exciting for you and i think another thing too that like i said before i think we maybe before we started rolling but i I work all the time with people who are immigrating and my um my wife is the children uh, child of immigrants and that that conversation is relevant in my life like all the time and one of the things that i think is beautiful about what you're doing is saying i i did new york and i did the college thing and i got all the training and i've i like i've done that it's not say i'm done doing it forever but I like to think of places like New York. LA is kind of like this too, but man, New York just feels like this to me. Almost like a like a video game, like a video game that you play on your phone that's like mindless. Like um, you ever play like one of those running games where like your guys running, you gotta go to the left and go to the right, and you like get the coins or whatever. You see people like swiping. It's not that hard of a game, but it is a game that like you have you have to pay attention to it. If you look away and you're like, what? Dunk, you're like dead instantly. But as long as you're paying attention to it and you're swiping left and right and you're kind of just dodging the shit and picking up the coins, you could just keep going forever. Right. That's kind of what New York feels like for me, which is like, but the game is like an add-on to your whole life. So it's like trying to live your life, but you can never look away from the fucking game for like a second. Mm-hmm to do anything else because you're like, Oh shit, I don't have to pay the fucking rent. You know, it's like, Oh no, the, the subway left. And now I get like, there's just something about that city that feels like if you look away or if you lose focus or whatever, and that's just a lot of pressure. I'm like, I need to take the whole weekend off, not looking at the fucking game, just not focused. Don't care. Smoke some weed, chill out. Like not nothing's due. Like leave mm. me alone. Like I, I have to have that space and, and that balance. And then later I can play the game again, you know, with, with more focus, yeah. but when it never relents, think, where do you, how do you rest? That's exactly what I was going to say, because in a way, New York is that tough teacher that keeps. Well put. Getting on your ass. Right. You. And the. It works when you have the choice to opt out for it a little bit, but right. you don't really. And you then here's the your answer where it's like, oh, what do we need? There we go. Um, yeah. And it's impossible. Like, it's impossible to exit because, like, yeah, you look away and you miss a lot. Yeah. And some people, you know, they're really good at they just like, yeah, man swipe swipe well okay all right swipe swipe and they're they're on it and they can clock it and they can do that like they're spinning plates or like they're working a fast shift at a restaurant and i've got so many i mean we must have so many friends that we love so much who live that life every fucking day like there's no world where we don't have a bunch of those and probably some in common same some of the same people and it's like they have built their life around never putting the game down they love the game the game is part of maybe what they like about it 
And it's so funny because you and I both connected on how we we enjoy the tough love. We like the push, but we right. both were like, God damn. It's also <laughs> That's age. a lot. I think. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, but I got friends five years older like, than me who live in the city who are still fucking with it. Like it's nothing. It seems like it's nothing to them. Energetical age, let's say. Like, right. like thank you. <laughs> oh, right. oh, I'm 48 <laughs> in my head for sure. Yeah. Well, I've been told I'm a grandpa many, many ways. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm, I'm getting the old soul vibe, which really just means you're oh. a weird person. Um, right. yeah. Or, yeah, no, we have that in common. Um, that is that is amazing, and I think that it's. Uh, I say amazing. I think it's amazing that you seem so self aware, and you seem like you really know how to take care of yourself artistically, despite the hurdles that maybe get thrown at you one way or another, or from one country or person or another. And that is invaluable. I mean, it mm-hmm. is just it. It is just like something that is so hard to teach. The fact that all the way back, and clearly it's been your whole life. Like when you tell that story of when you're a little girl in the class and the ladies like your legs, whatever. Like you tell that story and you make that choice to say, no, I'm going to prove her wrong versus I'm going to prove her right. Honestly, those are really only, <laughs> those are the only two versions of that story. You either go to prove her right or you prove her wrong. Um, and you made the choice you did. You have to have a, a, a self-awareness, I think, to make that choice. Because what you've brought up several times throughout this conversation is when you are faced with that situation, whatever it is, you turn inward. It's Mm -hmm. not that lady's fault. It's not the teacher's fault. It's not the other dancer's fault or the other person. Or even, you know, the visa people or whatever, whatever the hurdle is. You go, all right, fine. If that's my score on the scoreboard, I'm going to get back to it and I'm going to figure out how to score higher. You don't spend too much time. It doesn't seem like twirling in the, this sucks. You don't seem to hang out there very long. I twirl. I twirl. I think we all do a little, but you tell me how much it messes your life up. I think to me, when I start twirling, that's the sign that a change is coming. Like Interesting. when I feel like I'm terrified to do something, when I feel mm. like I'm just, there is that, the you know how we all love being wrong, right? Like, or I we, re- like we, we know, like you think you live life thinking this is the reality or this is the thing, this is the true. And then something happens and you're like, fuck, my whole life is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I but unironically, it, I unironically love that shit. For real. Exactly. Exactly. Because then you're like, oh my God, there's so much more. Exactly. Right. But I'm going to say, <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to say it. I learned There was a, like, I noticed something in the past, but I like worked it, worked through it in my head. And I was like, this is not no longer the reality. But I remember being so mad when someone would tell me what to do during sex. Like, I was just like, why would you tell me? Like, yeah, I, was like, okay. it was like I would get really angry about that. And then uh, I started thinking like, why is that 
why does it bother you me off so much like why right. why is that the thing but it's that same thing and like you know when we're having these intimate experiences our subconscious is that it's most vulnerable and yes. we're not covering it up with what we were telling ourselves about ourselves right we're like naked quite literally yes um and I was like, what the fuck is that about? Like, I don't. And then I started realizing like, oh, yeah, it's that thing when you feel bad about being wrong because you think you were doing something. You don't want to be corrected. Was it? Exactly. It's not that you don't. You don't mind doing the thing you're being bossed to told to do. You're just like, what was wrong with what the fuck I was doing before? Exactly. (laughs) And that. (laughs) And I was like, oh. And yeah, because I don't want to like, I have this like high expectation of myself of always being wrong, always doing the right thing or a little mm. less. And we, we just want to like, I just want to be, I get, or like, I get mad when I don't know something. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm going to learn this thing now. This yeah. But it's, it's this quality. And I'm like, oh my God, they're, but they're helping me. And every time someone's telling me something or correcting me in some way yeah. or like giving me feedback they're most of the time unless they're assholes they're they're doing it from a place of wanting to help right most of the time yeah so that or they're wanting to help themselves which might be a thing you want to do or yeah or they have this knowledge and they want to share it in order to be validated and like oh i'm useful here we go yeah so i i can take a step back and be like, oh, that's what's happening. Okay. What do I need this? Do I want this? I have all these choices. And I think having that moment to step back, take account of all the potential opportunities and be like, oh, this is what, this is what I'm going to do right now. Yeah. is such an empowering thing. And I don't remember why I started going there. No, I have like four things on what you said. Don't worry about how we got here. That's not important (laughs) in the show. People can rewind. I don't give a shit. They rewind. I'm a thousand years old. They can back it up or whatever the fuck people do. Right, right. Uh, So um, no, a a few things on that that I love. First of all, I'm so like that. I'm so very much like that. So I relate to your your experience in that way. uh, since you were vulnerable and shared something, I'll share something that I think mirrors it so mm-hmm. that we're both on the record here. But I have the, I have, this is embarrassing. I have the inverse problem where like before sex, I have all these ideas of things I'm going to do because that's who I think I am. And then mm-hmm. I get in the moment and I'm too nice. <laughs> and I, I want to be like, yeah, fucking. <laughs> but I can't do it. I'm like, please. Like, it's hard not to say please and shit. Or I'm like, yeah. just too too nice of a person. Uh, I wish I wasn't, clearly, but I am. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is I think that um, there's a tremendous amount of power, especially for people like us. And, I, and this doesn't matter to everybody, but for people like us who have that thing going off in your head of like, don't be wrong. Or why don't you know that shit? Or don't let anyone find out you don't know that shit. That's my big one. I don't mind not mm. knowing. I'll figure it out later. But I don't want anyone to know I don't know. That was my thing mm. for a long time. It took me probably until there, my yeah. early 30s 
to start, and I've talked about this on a recent episode, it took to my early 30s to start being like, if someone says something and I don't know what it is, like they reference a play I've never heard of or an author or a music or, or an, a politician, whatever. And they're like, bah, 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 Pete Buttigieg. And I like, don't know who Pete Buttigieg is. I'm like, I'm sorry. What is that? Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I'll just flat out pause. So sorry to interrupt. What the fuck is that? Cause you're so talking free. about it. Like I know. And it took me forever. Cause for years I would be like, Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I definitely know what that is. And like fucking just could find out anyway. You know, I used to do that when like my early English speaking years, probably like probably. Well, the, and yeah, that's TSA another barrier time, to that. Where I would be at the bar and like, okay, speaking English is fine. But then when the loud music is like lip reading English is not great. And cultural <laughs> references too. You're trying to make sure you saw the thing that they're just assuming you saw. And like that, I'm with you. Yeah. It is so freeing, like you said, to let go of that. And I would say on a whole, Rosa, I don't know where you are on this journey. I'm very much on it myself, but I invite you to come along further if you're not already thinking of it this way. It is so freeing to be the one that's always right and not need anyone to fucking know. They don't need to know. You're right. Yeah. And maybe they're wrong. Maybe they're right too. But to keep it more like a little, a little surprise secret that you yeah. have, yeah, that yeah. you really know what the fuck is going on and to not need everyone to know that's who you are. It's like becoming a grand, like master of your own mind in a way, because if you're someone that finds yourself regularly being right about stuff, and it's because you work hard to like pay attention and be smart and read things and know stuff. If you find yourself in that position all the time, that's great. That's a good thing. That's a great quality. It's probably one of the things you fucking love about yourself. I love that about myself. But it is quickly one of the things other people will fucking hate about you, even though it's a great quality. It's so annoying. So the best marriage of that quality with another quality is just the aloof nature of not giving a fuck if anyone knows you're like that. And then later when they're like, Rosa, you were so right. You can be like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, that's been me my whole life. I didn't, to me, that the surprise of, I, uh, there is nothing, like I love when people expect less of me and then I yeah. like do something and then that's the like, hustle, what? baby. That's the hustle. Yeah. This is, that's the most satisfying thing. So like, it's never like, I was never, maybe when I was much younger or like where I felt like when it was like with someone like a teacher or someone yeah. you respect where you want to like really let them know that you get it. Yeah. Like, but to me, like being a teacher's pet was also like kind of like, uh, sure yeah so it's that like balance of they know you know right but no one else has to know kind of thing where like and people people are observant like people who are observing they they see things and the people who won't observe it won't appreciate that that's who you are anyway exactly they don't fucking think about shit like that they'll just be like oh wow this is so smart and that'll be like as far as they ever think about it (laughs) 
I have had such a fun time talking to you. I don't have a lot more time, so I've got to wrap this up. But I thought this was a blast. What do you think? Yeah, I say we never answered the question of how I got to North Carolina, but uh, <laughs> some other time, some other time. It's going to be great. I mean, we still kind of got there in the big scheme of things. And I think we answered that right. question on a on a very broad strokes way, which, um, of course, I would love to have you on again and, and talk more and get oh, into some I'm, detail. I'm, that was not me trying to no, get on. It again, wasn't. And I didn't take it as a <laughs> as a self-invite, but I'm giving you an invite. You're 100 percent welcome back. Oh, and I, I would love to talk to you more. But I think that we did talk about that as a whole, which is like, yeah, we, we start off with the inadvertent passion for your art form is my favorite thing, I think, about your story is the like, it wasn't on purpose in the beginning. And then kind of it being born out of rebellion. I'll tell you this, this will be my favorite little, this is my favorite thing about this, because I just thought about it. And this is my wrap up. And then we'll get in the details next time. Okay. This whole thing, about people giving you critique and people being like bringing you the tough love and you being like not in favor of that. I think you did yourself a big favor with the snake tattoo. Cause I think, I think giving bad news or criticism to the chick with the snake arm tattoo is harder than the non snake arm tattoo girl. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be one like, of the reasons they got could it. Could you go tell her she screwed up? Which one? The one with the scales <laughs> running up her arm and the rattle on her wrist. Tell her she did a bad job. They can. They can. Just man, they're going to get that face when they do it, too. Oh, man. Yikes. Um, Rosa, thank you so much for talking to me. This was super fun. Thank you. Thanks. All right. We'll have you back soon. <laughs>